Welcome to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Outsourced Accountant Podcast. This is your go-to podcast if you're the owner of an accounting or bookkeeping firm who is looking to set up and build a high-performing offshore team. Here, you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity, and deliver more to your clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go! I'm Charlotte from Interactive Accounting, and you're listening to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. We're so happy you're here today. I'm very excited to be speaking with Charlotte Dobby from Interactive Accounting. Charlotte, how are you? Hey, Trent. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so up. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Awesome to have you on the show and love that we could get uh, interactive accounting on the podcast. Uh, For for those that know, uh, I've spent a a little bit of time, I've got a bit of a history working with interactive accounting over the years in different capacities, but mostly from my time at Practice Ignition. Um, But today we're we're talking to Charlotte about uh, their journey with offshoring and what we're going to really dive into today is what happened pre you were using remote offshore teams, what the onboarding process and what that looked like coming in, and then what have you learned since then? Like, what has been the impact, both good and bad? Um, before we get started, how how's your day today, Charlotte? What's your life looking like? Is it good weather? It's nice and sunny, although unfortunately I just took my dog down for a walk before and he hurt himself. So he's um, laid up on the couch like a little prince while I'm here working to... Uh... Oh, not half his luck. I, mean, I know, I'm a little bit jealous, but... What I'd give to be so curled up on the couch today. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you taking the time. And uh, well, what's your what's your dog's name? Link. We hope Link gets better and he's not super injured. Otherwise, maybe it's just a false ploy is what I'm getting. Maybe he just wants to keep relaxing on the couch. Yeah, I think he just wants the attention, but yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> awesome. Love that. Well, kicking into it, tell us a little bit about um, both your journey, but also interactive accounting. How did you get to work there? And if you want to tell us a bit of history about the business... Let's, uh, let's start there. Yeah, so Interactive Accounting is 11 years old. Um, it was founded by Guy Pearson, who now runs <laughs> Practice Ignition. Um, and I guess my journey to join Interactive was a, a little bit different. So the practice was started kind of out of rebellion against what the status quo was in the accounting world. Um, you know, anyone who's met Guy or seen him around zero cons or anything will know that, you know, he likes to be a little bit different. <laughs> Um, and he was working in a more traditional accounting firm and was coming across problems where he would go to managers with suggestions on how to streamline things or your technology or innovate. And he was just told, well, like, no, that's just not how we do it here. So he started Interactive Accounting to be a firm where they would do it. Um, Zero kind of launched in Australia at the same time. So naturally, you know, we you know, kind of adopted that and sort of found ourselves working um, exclusively with small businesses and particularly like tech-focused startups. Um, which is a far cry from the accounting world I came from, which was, you know, high net worth individuals and, you know, very large companies and super funds going through audits. Um, so I think it was after about two years, um, Guy and Gareth Bryant, who's our MD at the moment, they were friends from uni and they'd been in discussion for a while and Gareth decided it was time to make the jump from his practice to interactive accounting. Um, at his practice, I was actually his graduate accountant there. So he was still my mentor for the team. I did not know that. That yeah. is, wow, you coming in like very early on in that journey. That is very, very cool. I, 
Wow. Well, what's that been like for you? Because now, and maybe it's worth talking through, what's your position in interactive now? But I uh, wasn't in my list of questions, but I'd love to understand what's that journey been like from graduate through and, and being able to see the business change over the, the time you've been there. It's been really different. So I've been, it'll be eight years in two weeks' time that I've been with Interactive. Um, so when Gareth left um, our previous firm, we still stayed in contact. Um, he was still my CA mentor. Um, and he rocked up to like a lunch that he had with the other grad and I. And um, he turned up and it was like a 30 degree day. It was really hot. I'm there in like, it's really uncomfortable, like skirt and like high heels, pantyhose, the whole like, you know, professional thing. And he rocks up in an interactive accounting shirt, carrying his MacBook, like slung under his left arm and jeans. And like, he just sits there and he shows us these reports and like what he's doing in zero. And I'm just like, oh my God, how do I do this? <laughs> how do I join? Um, so yeah, thankfully six months later, there was an opportunity for me there. So he reached out and asked if I wanted to join. Um, so when I started, we only had one office I was the first accountant that they hired that wasn't one of the directors doing all of the work. Um, so it was a pretty big learning curve for me going from traditional accounting firm as a graduate, you know, you're not allowed to talk to clients, right? You're hidden out the back yeah. doing all the work. Yeah. So I actually speak to them. And then on the first day, they handed me a phone, like my own I mobile number. I was like, here you go. Like, client's going to be able to call you. I was like, but what do I do? <laughs> what <laughs> and they will I talk to them about? <laughs> um, so, you know, Going from that to now I'm our general manager. So I've actually stepped out of sort of the actual accounting side of things. Yep. I, I think I've got you know, 10 or so clients that I look after. Um, but my role is now more strategy focused um, and focused internally on the team, which is why the TOA project was my project. It was your project. It was the, yeah. the Charlotte project. <laughs> yeah. I, I Gareth wanted it to happen. I had to make it happen. So... <laughs> Amazing. Well, I look um, forward to picking that apart. Yeah. So that's been a really big change from, you know, when I started, it was just, you know, doing literally a hundred buses every quarter to now, you know, coaching a team of, you know, 15 accountants through how to get through those buses and yeah, sort of really taking myself out of actually doing it to teaching everyone else how to do it. Yeah. Love that. I mean, there's still lots to learn through teaching, I think. So that's, uh, that is very, very cool. Love that. So you mentioned that you've got 15 people in the team. What's the, uh, if we think about your team structure, what is that locally versus offshore? What's that break up at the moment? So at the moment, we've got uh, 16 here in Australia. Um, and then we've got a team of six in Clark in the Philippines. Um, the team in Australia is split between Sydney and Melbourne. Um, and we've got a real mix of, you know, we've got three account managers. Um, then we've got three seniors um, and then we've got I think we've got four intermediates um, and some graduate accountants here so we've got a real mix like a real diverse <laughs> team um, and we've got Love one administrator that. so we need one non-accountant to sort of you know keep us in keep check everyone and, together yeah yeah make and sure so... that we're doing fun things Ah. <laughs> oh. Totally. I mean, that's a requirement has to happen. Um, and I, you know, having worked and shared an office with your teams before in the past, I, I know what all, I know what that fun looks like. Um, <laughs> with your offshore team, what skills are they? So have you, um, can you tell us the mix of the roles you've employed and uh, who are they working with in your onshore team? Yeah, sure. So we have six in our offshore team. Um, our first hire was a senior accountant because um, we wanted, you know, 
we our initial goal is to set up a tax team. So we first four hires are for our tax team. Um, we hired a senior who had experience with Australian tax. Um, he wasn't already a tower employee, but he'd worked um, in an offshore role for many years. So he had lots of experience dealing with, you know, the kinds of teething issues that we were going to go through as well. So he was a really integral hire to make sure that this project would actually work. Um, and then the rest of the tax team, we've got three intermediate accountants. Um, one, the, the first had experience in ITRs um, and a little bit in company tax. And then the next two had more book, uh, bookkeeping backgrounds. Um, so we upskilled them on the tax side and brought them in. And then our most recent two hires um, we've decided now since the team is such a success that we're going to expand. So now we've got the tax team and we're setting up the finance team at the moment. So the next two have been more bookkeeping, financial accounting roles. Very cool. Okay. That's, uh, love hearing that kind of story. Love that. How did you guys determine if that was going to be a success? Sorry. First, well, so we, you've said that it was a success. That's great. What were the steps you took to make sure that that was going to be successful? What was the training plan looking like? How would, and there's a few questions in what I'm saying, so feel free to start where you want, but then what was the communication like with your onshore team? How did you make sure they were crystal clear on the direction of the offshore project? Yeah, so that was one of our really big sort of, you know, like, how is that going to go? One of our big hesitating um, factors, like, how is our team going to not feel like we're just trying to replace them? Um, you know, we were very open and honest with them. Um, you know, we have regular like whole company meetings um, where we update them on strategy. Um, it kind of helped that at the same time, we were sort of undergoing a lot of, you know, redirection ourselves, really defining our scope and growth for the next three to five years. So we brought the team in on that because we want everyone to feel like they're part of this journey that we're on. So, you know, many hands make light work and that's kind of how we've always run our practice. Um, so we're very open and honest with them to say like everybody's job is safe. Um, the reason that we've set up this team is because you're too good and clients want more from us and we need a way that we can scale our practice really quickly. Um, particularly, you know, we decided to kick this project off during the middle of a pandemic. So hiring in Australia was at the time completely remote as well. Um, so, you know, in the past had been that hesitation of like, well, how do you hire someone you haven't met, <laughs> you haven't spoken to in person? Um, but we'd kind of gotten over that because we were already doing it. Awesome. That's really, really cool. I think being super transparent, I find, is really key. And um, being able to take your team on the journey, talking, this is the plan, this is the vision, this is the future, this is how it impacts you, and this is how it won't impact you. And I think that's really important because otherwise your team is sitting there, as you said, like, wait, what does this mean? What, why? And, you know, everyone's got different opinions and views on these things. So the more transparent we can be, uh, the better right because you you'll get the, i mean this will probably add to the second part of my question was uh having that communication with the team what was then the plan for the the new team how were you setting them up for success yeah so part of the communication with the current team i think what really helped um was sort of explaining how we're doing this to create more opportunities for them as well right that we're focusing on not just growing the practice but growing them individually as accountants um and you know as soon as we told them that it meant that you know, they can have a more diverse portfolio of what they're working on day to day. Everyone was like all hands in, how can I help? <laughs> let's get this up that. and let's, let's get this up and running. And um, yeah, now the feedback is like, can I, can someone from like team PH help me out? Like I really need um, someone of their skill set. So yeah, kind of can't imagine life without them at the moment. 
um, I guess our next sort of thing that we had to deal with internally was sort of step back and go, okay, how are we going to make this work? Um, you know, we've learned as we've gotten bigger and through some mistakes along the way um, is, you know, making sure that they had a single point of contact that would run their team. Um, so we were really fortunate. We had a Melbourne team member who was very, um, like she'd always been a compliance um, person. She was a senior accountant and she's incredible at, you know, uh, training, at, you know, making sure people follow a process. Um, like that's the kind of role that she really thrives in. So it seems like a really natural opportunity for us as well to push her and say, hey, you know, we're going to set up a team. We'd like you to lead it. Um, what do you think? And yeah, she was really excited and the feedback from that structure has been really great. So she's been a really that, supportive role for them. Awesome. That is interesting. So what you're saying is that you've... Um, to make it easier for your offshore team, you set up one dedicated person that manages that offshore team, and that's the person they report to on a daily, weekly, how often? Yeah, so we do daily stand-ups. Um, so Team PH does a daily stand-up every morning with Christine, um, and then they also do workflow meetings twice a week um, yep. on the tax side of things just to make sure things are still, still going. Um, it was really important for us. Like We wanted open communication across the practice, Mm -hmm. We'd heard some horror stories um, of, you know, offshore teams that are like just kind of like how I felt as the graduate accountant, like locked behind that door doing all the work and <laughs> not really able to speak to anybody else. Um, yeah. So, you know, we make sure they do have lots of interaction with whether it's the bookkeepers or the account managers or, you know, like joining in on, you know, when we're working remotely, doing like Friday Zoom drinks together and whatnot, just making yeah. sure we still have that team cohesion. But at the end of the day, if they needed work or they were stuck with something, they know they had that one go-to person that could help get them unstuck. Awesome. Love that. Uh, you mentioned there around a workflow meeting. That's a really interesting concept that I know not a lot of firms would generally do. What, what do you guys normally do in a workflow meeting that involves your offshore or just, just in general? What, what's the point of the workflow meeting? So the workflow meeting is to go through and get an idea of where the jobs are at at the moment and set the priorities and goals for the week. So we always go through, um, we sort of divide it into the statuses. We'll work through at the moment, okay, what's waiting on queries um, so we can escalate to account managers or whoever it needs to go to if someone else needs to jump in and help to make sure we can get that moving as soon as possible. Um, then we look at, you know, what's coming up, what's planned for this week. Can we foresee any issues? Yes, no. Try and work through that. Um, and then we always set a goal. So, you know, it's seven individuals and three companies this week or whatever the particular mix might be. Um, the importance for us of doing that, like we do Monday is sort of the goal setting one. We also do a mini check-in on the Wednesday just to make sure things are progressing um, because like I'm sure everyone can <laughs> sympathize with this that things for clients can change really quickly. Um, you know, someone decides on Sunday that they've gone and seen a house they want so they're on the phone to us Monday morning being like hey um, so those financials I said I didn't need for six months I need them today um, so just making sure that when those changing priorities happen that that's communicated to the team um, and not sort of just like a bombshell dropped on them that we're moving other stuff around to make sure capacity is flowing. Awesome. And just on that, because everyone will be listening saying, cool, that all sounds really good, but like physically, how do we do that? Um, what are we using for that? What do you guys use? I, I think I know the answer, but I'm asking anyway. What do you guys use for your workflow internally to manage all of your jobs and tasks? So at the moment, we use Carbon, we're actually literally making the switch at the moment to Salesforce. Oh, I did so, not know this. Yeah, okay. we've um, got to build Talk some custom for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. 
What, what, what's driving the change? Um, the change is we've seen a change in our client base, really, that, you know, um, traditional practice management tools aren't really cutting it for what our clients need. We're finding, um, you know, we're really heavily focused on advisory. Um, so month-end reporting, like the first two weeks, the new month, and pretty much chaos for a lot of our team who work on the management accounting side of things. Um, and we found that any kind of practice management solution was very much geared towards traditional accounting firm. We check in with clients once a year and that's it. Um, so we wanted something that could be more robust, could be tailored to what we needed. And also, you know, we were quite fortunate during COVID, we actually experienced quite a lot of growth. Um, you know, I'm sure other people would know the same being cloud-based, um, you know, JobKeeper and, you know, all that kind of advisory that we needed to do quickly made people wake up and realize that I need accurate and on-time information. So, um, you know, we've been helping a lot of clients make that transition. And for ourselves, like to run a business, we sort of step back and go, okay, well, what do we expect from our clients? Like for their record keeping, yep. why aren't we doing the same? So making sure we really track that sales process and make sure that what we promise in the sales process gets delivered. So yeah. having one custom system has really, really helped with that. Well, good luck with that change. I can imagine that's going to be uh, a little time and a lot of communication and meetings around that. Yes. <laughs> Best of luck with that. Is that your new Charlotte project at the moment? Yeah, that's that's me at the moment. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, coming back to the team part, so we talked through bringing the team on board. We talked, um, yeah, now you're at six Coming back to the very first person that you hired, you said you, it was a senior intermediate, had AU experience already, which was, I'm assuming was a good thing. Um, what were the steps you were taking to help set them up for success and how were you measuring that success? What did that look like and what does your team member think success looks like? So we kind of, you know, we were fortunate during the HR process, Matova um, gave us a lot of support, <laughs> which you know, hiring for the first time in a new country, trying to be mindful of any cultural differences, um, you know, understanding like, you know, a salary is very different composition when you're hiring in somewhere like the Philippines to what you're expecting in Australia, you know, having someone walk us through what it means for a rice allowance and, you know, the 13 month pay and all the kind of irregularities um, that sort of took a lot of stress off our plate initially. Um, we decided to go and look for an experienced hire, someone with Australian tax experience in particular, um, because we wanted to try and find someone who, from the technical side of things, could hit the ground running. So then we could really focus on like, okay, what can we do to make sure that they understand like what we call the IA way, right? How do we do things? How can they, we make sure that they, you know, understand what our company culture is and you know make them feel part of the team and so that they fit in so that way they're you know comfortable asking questions raising queries asking for support and training whenever they need it so um, during the interview process I think uh, he remarked on it as well that it wasn't so much that you know he was pitching to us but we all almost tried to pitch to him as well right because you know, we think it needs to be the right fit on both sides. And if it isn't going to be the right fit on one side, it's not going to, you know, you're just doomed for disaster. So It's an important point you raise because a lot of people I've spoken to that, and this is pre-working with us, their um, understanding, they think about it as dispensable. It's like, oh, is it just like, because we're so used to living in this tech ecosystem of subscription, sign up, cancel whenever I want, and it's, uh, 
you're dealing with people here, right? These are team members that work in your team that, that are there for, you know, there's got to be a plan for longevity. It's not a, so to your point, on getting someone that's going to be with us for, for, for a long time, you know, a good time and a long time uh, is really, really important. Um, KPIs-wise, now I'm I'm going out on a limb. You guys don't do timesheets in the practice? We don't, no. And has that always been the case? Um, it's been the case for probably four years now okay um, so four so, years yeah we made the switch so we now um are more output driven so yep. um more like task completion measuring on time completion and delivery of tasks so how do you and i think you probably just answered in that question but how do your offshore team know if they're doing a good job so we also um you know we do regular check-ins with them give them feedback um we sort of treat treat it the same that we treat our Australian team, right? If there's an issue, we flag it on the spot. We don't like to hold things back for six months, you know, and use it for a reason not to give someone a pay rise, for example. Um, you know, we tend to be a bit more proactive about it. And if there's an issue, we reach out, say, here's what's happened. Here's what should have happened. You know, do you need training on it? Is it something that we've missed? Was there a communication error? Like, try and get to the bottom of, like, what happened so we can fix it. Because um, we're also very self-aware that, you know, we're only, you know, six months into having an offshore team. So there are going to be teething issues that come up along the way. It's been a matter of like retraining for our AU team. You know, our team leader who's like leading Team PH hasn't led a team before. So it's um it's all been a bit of a learning curve. That's interesting. So, so what, like you've made a decision to put someone in charge of the, the your PH team. They've never managed the PH team before. What training or support did they need to get before this new? Because it wasn't just like, hey, here's six people or here's one person. Um, you know, let me know how you go in a week and and <laughs> you know, or a month, and we'll come back and just circle around to see if this is working. Yeah, you're, you're on that, your own. <laughs> <laughs> basically, yeah. What was their journey like? What what kind of work did you have to put in place to help set up your team leader for success? So we'd had um, sort of the couple of jobs that she'd worked on before that for some of our clients. Um, we'd moved on to some larger clients where she had to delegate some tasks down to the junior team. So we were confident that in terms of like managing and delegating workflow that she could do it. Um, we'd also moved her into a role for probably six or 12 months before that where she had been training um, new AU team members on tax processes, um, introducing them to compliance, all that kind of stuff. So we knew that she had a really solid foundation there. Um, for her, it was, you know, we had a very open and honest discussion with her saying, do you want to do this, right? You can say no <laughs> if you don't want to. Um, we're not going to force you into this position, but we think it's a great opportunity for you. Um, it also helps that um, she has family in the Philippines. Um, so, you know, the hope that when borders are open that there's going to be some regular flights in there. <laughs> she can get to see some family when she's back there as well. That really, that really helped. Um, but you know, for the first couple of weeks, particularly because I'd had a lot of experience running teams, um, just the Sydney team and then across interactive as a whole, um, I was really quite heavily involved. Um, we also got Christine involved in the hiring process. So making sure that she had a voice on who was going to be in her team was really important because we wanted to make sure that, you know, we very much do a lot of personality matching when we hire. Um, so you know, Let's talk hiring about that. someone that she wouldn't be comfortable with, yeah. um, you know, it's going to make her job 10 times harder. So Yeah, I can totally imagine. 
not everyone does personality testing and, and things. Why don't you tell us what your um, preferred measurement is? Like, what do you guys use for personality testing? And why specifically are you using that one? So we now do like formal personality testing actually when somebody comes on board. Um, but we, over the time we've developed some sort of screener questions that we've been doing our interview. And a lot of it is actually just like the get to know you kind of questions. Um, you know, something as simple as like, you know, what kind of food do you like to order? You can actually start to tell a lot about someone by how much detail they go into, you know, what cuisine are they ordering? Um, you know, for us, like food is very centric oh. to the IA culture. <laughs> so, totally. Um, it's, you know, builds that initial like bridge, I guess, and um, lets them feel comfortable. So then you can start to delve into deeper questions. I'm having this thought of uh, you and me having a conversation like, Trent, so what sort of food do you eat? And you're like, oh, I really like, you know, like hot dogs and pizzas. And you're like, oh, okay. And you like look down, you start writing, you know, Mark likes hot dogs, won't be, you know, won't be a good fit sort of thing. Yeah. Um, is it that? Yeah. Can you tell a lot about someone by what the food that they eat? Or you really can. <laughs> Even just the detail they go into it, right? So, um, when you're hiring like compliance-based people, right, you need that eye for detail, right? So, for someone who is just giving an answer of pasta, okay, someone goes direct into like like a carbonara with a penne, <laughs> right? It gives you gives you a little bit of an indication there. For some um, reason, my head goes to the extremes of like I really like a slow cooked ragu with the with the you know the red wine and the Jew. Look, and if they the, want to share a recipe, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. It'd be Charlotte's cookbook of uh, amazing recipes that you've just compiled <laughs> through interviews. That's that's yeah. a book I'd buy at Christmas for sure. Yeah, well, we ask them for like TV and movie recommendations, books to read. Um, you know, crowdsourcing all of your recommendations right there, aren't you? Yeah, like I've still got a list on Netflix of like stuff that I need to watch that come from these interviews. That's so, so good. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Uh, so um, I apologise if I've sidetracked this. So we, your um, team member uh, in Melbourne is managing your offshore team for the first time. Yeah. When you start thinking around because you're at six, right? So when you hired the first person, was there a plan at the first person to go, let's see how this goes, and then we'll order, uh, sorry, order, we'll, we'll plan out for the next three, four, five, or six. How do you go about that? How do you go about this people strategy component? Yeah, so initially we drew, we said, all right, we'll bring in two. And that's going to be our test period, see if this is going to work. How can we make this work? Because um, we figured that with two, you know, we've set up, a team but we haven't really then got a full structure so if we needed to move things around you know change reporting lines or whatever we need to do it's easier to do when there's only uh two team members there um also hiring a senior for the first um role not only do we want someone to hit the ground running but we sort of we're trying to foreshadow and hope that you know this is going to go well and i ideally we want to scale this team quickly so by having a senior hire be the first one that it then creates like a local support system there for the junior team that they have someone that you know because there is you know different time zones that we work in um you know christine is amazing and will try and answer questions at all times of day or night but she does have a family so you know if she needs to duck off and you know cook dinner for her family or go for a walk or whatever at 6 p.m which she's totally entitled to they've got someone in their own time zone that if they're stuck on how to do something in zero tax or how to do, 
you know, a write-off or whatever, that they've got a senior person locally that they know they can go to if you've got the experience there. Awesome. Okay. I love all of that. That's that's great. Uh, how often are you reviewing that people's strategy piece then? Is that a, an annual thing? Is it just depending on the capacity? Because I know you guys chat pretty regularly and do your goal setting also pretty regularly. Um, how often are you revisiting this people's strategy and whether you've got the right people in place? So we're reviewing it quarterly at the moment. Um, so, you know, we've grown the team pretty aggressively. So we made our first hire. Um, he's just ticked over his six months. Um, so we've got six already and I'm actually about to send you an email today to kick off recruitment for another two. Um, so Amazing. You know, initially we thought you know, if we can have four team members um, within the year, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're going to be at eight. So. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. Well, because you mentioned before, you've got four in your um, tax team. You've got two in your finance team. Are this, And I want to understand more about the finance team. But the new two that you're now looking at bringing on, very excited for you. Well done. Um, what team are they going into and what, what's driving the need to bring on more people right now? So they'll go into the finance team as well. Um, and again, it's it's come off the back of, you know, we've done this with our first two hires and we've moved, um, look to move a lot of the work from our graduate and intermediate accountants to the finance team. Um, and it's been really successful. It's created a lot of capacity internally that the account managers can, you know, they've got capacity to actually delegate tasks that they should be delegating, not just jumping in and doing it themselves. So across the entire practice, we're finding that, you know, it's not just sort of a sideways shift of it's going from graduate to, you know, offshore team. It's creating an entire flow down, even from someone at my level or, you know, Gareth, our managing director, by freeing up the intermediates and the seniors, the account managers can get them to jump in and do more of the reporting, do more of the, you know, heavy lifting, which means they've got freed up capacity and Gareth can hand off some advisory pieces down to them. So like we're already feeling the benefits across the entire team. Amazing. I love all that. No, it's probably coming into my next sort of questioning. How, how is this benefiting you guys compared to where you were, right? Because this is only relatively new, but, uh, you know, I would say mid last year, the first employee is only just getting a regularization, which is that six month period. So passing probation, which is awesome. Um, how you've obviously seen a benefit quite quickly, but what, what do you think that benefit's been for both the team and for your clients? The, like the main benefit, right, it's the biggest thing for accountants is capacity, right? We've been able to really quickly create lots of excess capacity, which means that we're able to do more for our clients. We're able to start upselling um, and we're able to take on more clients, which, you know, we love that, <laughs> um, you know, and like we're accountants at the end of the day. So profitability is always important. Um, so we actually did a pricing review and, you know, as a leadership team, we went down to the, the breakdown of like, okay, here are our packages and here's what we're delivering on and sort of realised that, you know, we're delivering a lot more now than we used to, you know, particularly the last 12 months, clients have needed our support and, you know, we've risen to the occasion and, you know, also couldn't, you know, justify a price rise last year. Um, so this has been a way that we've been able to make sure that we're giving that really high level of service um, while, you know, also not running ourselves into the ground and working till midnight every night. Um, but like little things like, you know, a client of ours reached out the other week and um, they suddenly had to let go of their internal bookkeeper, wasn't working out. 
Um, they asked if we could jump in and help. You know, we had very little notice, but, you know, we had the offshore team, the capacity had already been created, ready for new clients to come on. So we were able to jump in and help that, that client when they really needed us. So it's really cemented that relationship with them. Awesome. That's great. Good win for your client as well that, um, you know, service isn't necessarily dropping and then that's going to obviously help you guys do better advice or give better advice, right? Because you've yeah. got more control of, of all the um, inputs and then what's coming out of it as well. Um, you mentioned the profitability analysis that the team dives into. Would you, are you happy with the profitability you've been able to, like has this, sorry, new question, has this had an effect on the profit for the firm? So being able to have an offshore team, has that impacted your profitability? If so, tell me more. Yeah, so when we went through and sort of mapped out even just our bookkeeping packages, um, you know, for what we're delivering, you know, with graduate and intermediate accountants in Australia, we were break even at best on some of the packages. Um, by being able to move that offshore, you know, we haven't just, pushed everything over there um, you know we've tried to put in a review process where our Australian team still holds all the contact with the clients um, then you know the offshore team reports directly to that person you know they work really closely on that individual client um, you know because they've got all the knowledge there right they can usually help out with questions so we've had to sort of build into our profitability analysis that there's going to be review time there's communication time there's you know training time um, and beyond that, you know, packages where before, you know, we did the analysis and it's like break even, um, you know, it's immediately up to like 20, 25% profit just from making that easy switch. That's awesome. That's great. I love that. That's that's really cool. Well done. Congratulations, Charles. This has been a successful project. Obviously, uh, hopefully Gareth and uh, Guy look at that in your uh, your bonus this year. They'll see that the... <laughs> The project is success, and we're 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 doing much better as a result. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's um everyone's very happy, and um like even just from like a culture perspective, you know, bringing in different personalities and bringing people of different culture, like it's added a whole other dimension to our team. You know, yep. I mentioned we found that like food is a common <laughs> common ground for everybody, right? Um, yes, Filipinos uh, love food. That yeah, is a given, and they definitely know how to do it right. I'm oh, very jealous. And I, I chat with Tom, my EA, every morning about the breakfast he's eating. I'm like, what do you have for breakfast? He's always sending me pictures of his uh, egg and mayo sandwiches and all this kind of stuff. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we really wanted to make sure that, you know, we were creating another interactive accounting team, not just an offshore team. So, you know, having them in Friday meetings, doing training together, doing like end of the week wrap up calls. Um, you know, we really tried to build a bond even so much so that, you know, one day Gareth made a bit of a joke to us all that it was his birthday the next week, so we better get him something. Um, and our, th our PH team actually all kicked in and bought him a case of Red Horse um, because we'd always been talking about, you know, if we had like virtual beers together, like what beer are you drinking? And um, yeah, Jello, our senior, was like, well, we're drinking a Red Horse. And he told us about, you know, just two of them and, you know, you'll be on your backside. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we were very surprised when a case of Red Horse got delivered to the office from from Team PH for Gareth. 
That is so cool. I love that story. Well done, PH team. I love that you said that they're you're trying to help them create an extension of the interactive team. It's not a new team. It's we're all the same team. We're just in different offices. I think that's really cool and also really, really important for their development and their engagement too, right? Because you want them to be super happy and psyched to turn up to work every day. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Well done. Sounds like you're doing an amazing job. Uh as we come into the end of this conversation, so my last real question is talking about what was the you know biggest myth or objection you'd heard about offshoring before you came in, and do you think it was true, or you know is that now squashed through something you've learned? Yeah, so we had heard some absolute horror stories and even had some very horrific interactions with offshore bookkeepers on behalf of our clients. Um, we'd had even in just the last twelve months, we've had at least four clients who have come to us. You know, we always ask them, like, oh, you know, what happened with your previous accountants? We want to make sure we don't do the same. And it was always that they moved offshore and the quality just dipped. Um, and so that was, you know, a major concern for us, right? We're an advisory first firm. You know, we send out MPS to all of our clients. We want to make sure that, you know, we get, <laughs> you know, high client satisfaction. So that was, you know, our real goal is how can we do this to make sure that the overall service level, we want it to increase, not decrease. Um, so what we've kind of done to get around that is, you know, lots of review processes. So compliance, um, we've introduced like three levels of review um, for the new team members, um, for our, you know, finance team, that everything that they do gets reviewed by um, either like the person who's been the existing bookkeeper who has that client familiarity. So not just you know because these hires they're incredible on the technical side when they come to us like we've been incredibly impressed you know we always ask technical questions during our interviews um recently we were hiring for a graduate in australia and we were hiring for finance team um in clark at the same time and we asked them the same questions and the australian graduates couldn't answer them but <laughs> our, our candidates in team ph could so wow that's an indictment on the australian <laughs> university <laughs> but Something's, something's going on there. Um, but making sure that we're reviewing the client-specific stuff, not just technicality. So yep. in the context of this client, is this coded correctly? Is this journal correct? You know, yep. what do I need to look at in the balance sheet, et cetera? Um, and like so far, touch wood, um, you know, we've only had positive feedback. Amazing. I love that. That's so, so cool. And very interesting on the comparison with your... Uh, your graduates versus your PhD, that's interesting. It's a little depressing, I'm going to say, honestly, <laughs> but... Uh, it's all really cool, but I think, you know, just thinking through everything we've talked about, love the journey, and I think a lot of the culture that you guys have and that mentality of, you know, we're reviewing everything quarterly, we're doing our daily huddles, we've got our workflow meetings in place, there's a really nice core structure that's in place that helps set up both your onshore and your offshore teams. Having a dedicated team leader for your Philippines team, I think, has been a big contribution to that success as well. So I think we've only been chatting for sort of 30 minutes or so, but it's very clear to me why this has been super successful for you so for me congratulations like that's an awesome outcome especially in such a short period of time so yeah interactive team well done pat on the back you should all be very proud i think you've uh yeah i think everyone listening to this there's a lot of really good nuggets and takeaways from that um just as we're wrapping up, I guess, so if anyone's listening to this and they, they wanted to get in contact with you if, you, if you're open to that, what's the best way they can do that or how would you recommend that they do that? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way. I'm 
may not always be super active on there, but I do check it always. So <laughs> if you want to drop me a message there, um, or you can email me. My email is just charlotte at interactiveaccounting.com.au. I'm happy. Very easy to remember. Happy Very to help cool. anybody. Amazing. Thank you, Charlotte. That's so good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining another episode of the Outsourced Accountant Podcast. We've been chatting with Charlotte Dobby from Interactive Accounting and hearing her amazing journey of uh, putting on, we're about to be eight team members in the space of nearly eight months, if I'm not mistaken. That's That's right. (laughs) Yeah, very, very cool. So uh, if you like this, please feel free to share it with your friends, colleagues, team members in your office. But until next time, my name is Trent McLaren, and uh, you just heard another episode of The Outsourced Accountant. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Outsourced Accountant Podcast. To follow our podcast, visit The Outsourced Accountant or head to The Outsourced Accountant Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. To connect with us on Twitter, look for our handle at Toa Global or find us on LinkedIn at Toa Global. Like our Facebook page at The Outsource Accountant. Catch you on the next episode of The Outsource Accountant Podcast. Thanks and have a great day.